Welcome to the Fifth Trooper Podcast. Welcome back to the Fifth Trooper Podcast. My name is Jay Shalansky and my co-host is Evan Bolris. Hey, how's it going? This is Season 2, Episode 2 of the Fifth Trooper Podcast. And today we're, we're really happy that John Russell, the North American Event Commander for Warlord Games, is joining us. Hey guys, thanks a lot for inviting me and I really, this has been a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, a, I was really excited to get the, the invite from Evan and this is awesome. So thanks guys. Yeah, yeah we, no so since we've started this podcast, Evan has always been talking bolt action, bolt action. You can't, can't get this guy to shut up about bolt action. So it's, <laughs> it's time to talk bolt action. So, you know, I, this must actually let's start here. This must be a weird time for you, huh? Being the North American event commander with no events. How's well, that you, going? Yeah, you'd think that, right? Because, you yeah. know, the last two years, I've been working for Warlord for this is my third full time year. Uh, I was off and on doing a lot in the past before then, but this is, you know, I'm getting straight paid by those guys. And the last two years, I've traveled over 100,000 miles. And this year, uh, maybe two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, even though I haven't been doing a lot of conventions, I hit a couple before the, the great pause kicked in. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm actually as busier, busier than before because people are calling me, doing a lot of podcasts. We're doing a lot of stuff. I do a thing on Wednesdays, the Warlord Wednesday thing on Facebook. Uh, I actually just got back from my FLGS, dropping some stuff off and supplies to helping them stay, stay afloat. So it's been busy, just not as busy. Uh, and, of course, more time to paint stuff to bring with me. So. Yeah, I would say uh, for us too, it's been busy, just different kind of busy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So, but that's good. Yeah, and as we move into the great, the great thaw, mm-hmm. uh, uh, we're, we're actually kind of excited. The uh, I live in Oklahoma, and they just went to phase two, so we're getting a little. Some of the the fetters have been released, and uh, we've checked with our lawyer. And we've checked with our. We we have a big convention here in Oklahoma mm-hmm. uh, for Bolt Action and Warlord Games, and we combined it with a good old convention called twister con and it's called twisted lords and it kicks off in july it's the 24th 25th 26th of july and we're still a go we're still green and uh, we've been cleared hot by the lawyer and uh our event area is still there it's at the reed center if you go on to tabletop events you'll find us under twisted lords this is our second year as that it's actually our seventh year as a convention and we have a lot of fun we do a lot of warlord stuff in addition to everything else like uh you know battle tech and uh there's a big game of Zombicide, kind of, sort of, it's kind of a homegrown thing. And we've got a lot of, um, uh, I think we had uh, Team Yankee out there. And then we have a big 40-man, 50-man tournament for bolt action. And uh, it all starts off Friday afternoon. We have a uh, museum here called uh, the 45th Infantry Museum. And it shuts down at 4 p.m., but then reopens at 5 p.m. just for us. And the curator of the museum is there, Mike Gonzalez. And he walks us around personally for two hours. So we have the whole museum to ourselves. So. Oh, nice. That's how the whole thing starts. And then we were here for two and a half, three days, and we're still a go. So we're kind of excited about that. So that'll be the first con that I'll attend since February when I was up in uh, Genghis Khan. But I've traveled, I've almost done a convention in every single state in the Union except for some northeast, northwestern stuff and some northeast. Hit Canada twice last year. We're looking at Costa Rica this year, but that might be uh, too far, so we'll see. <laughs> And, of course, they go back to headquarters uh, three, four times a year in the U.K. at Nottingham. So uh, it has been busy, but not busy, but it's been busy, if that makes sense. So there you Perfect go. Perfect sense. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We're doing a lot of, catching up a lot of miniatures and stuff. The uh, Twisted Lords is kind of a unique event because we can have a lot of stuff that we 
necessarily can't travel with us. Like I have a big one two hundred scale model of the Hornet that we use for blood red skies. It's about four foot long. And it's kind of in- interesting to transport, but when it's local, it's pretty easy. Nice. Yeah. So I kind of want to go back because I, I find this interesting too. Um, we, you know, Evan and I, uh, Evan's been into bold action for a long time, but recently we've kind of hit these, this kind of list of games that are tied in historically, you know, to actual events and actual time periods. And so I, you know, I kind of wanted to go to where you were talking about, you know, doing the museum tour and and the correlation with with bolt action. So how how much does the company strive um, in the development of the game, but also in these tournaments to try to make these somewhat accurate, even though historically speaking, even though it's a you know tabletop game. Good question, Jay, and a, and a long question, and it's going to be a, a <laughs> I'll answer. I'll try to answer everything I can. Okay. Yeah, we try to do as much. Uh, bounce up. We, we try to schedule our release dates around important events, you know, D-Day and, you know, Stalingrad, stuff like that. Sometimes outside events uh, kick us around so we can't do that, but we try to tr- uh, stay as historically accurate to the timeline as we can. Uh, some people sometimes accuse us of not doing research on our books. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but my answer to that is just read the damn book. If you go in the back of the book, there's about a page, page and a half of bibliographies of anywhere from 20 to 50 books that we do research with and or movies and TV shows. So we try to stay as historically accurate as we can. Uh, myself and Steve Smith are the uh, authors of the Korea book, the Bolt Action Korea book. And uh, we spent, uh, I spent three years trying to pitch it to the to the warlord. They finally said yes. Then it took us a year and a half to get it written. Uh, and then we kept on writing and we finally had to say stop. But uh I've got, I'm looking at a stack of books in my garage here that I'm still trying to go through. We've got a bibliography of about 30 books, uh, army archives, movies, TV shows from the United States and Korea and China. So we've tried to cover as best we could. But of course, there's also still people saying that, oh, but you should have done this. And don't you know about that? <laughs> yeah, we know about that, but we just couldn't cover it at the time. Hence, we might have some PDFs. And then on the tournament scene, sometimes there's a multiple different types of tournaments, Jay. There's the... And it depends upon if we're hooked into a store or hooked into a convention. Uh, and, and it can go either way. There's a really good uh, historically themed um, a tournament that happens uh, towards the end of the year in November up, at, uh, um, up in Minnesota. And it's called uh, Renegade GT. It's ran by the Snafu Podcast Boys. And they are very good at running a themed event. But then on the flip side, when we do a tournament like at Adepticon or... Uh, ReaperCon, or we go down to MillenniaCon, it's pretty much open-ended. Uh, we try to sometimes uh, uh, control the list to generic lists because sometimes people can get a little bit going down some rabbit holes and they can start doing some metagaming or um, uh, uh, alpha gaming. You know, they, they kind of expand their list a little too hard. Uh, and then like at Adepticon, uh, Jeremy and uh, his friend Andrew run some really good themed events and they do some themed events and then we go in there and do the national event or the big event. So there's there's actually quite a, a plethora of different kinds of tournaments that we can run. And usually uh, the, the t- t- uh, tournament organizer or TO will contact me. And we have some packets that we can send out to them that give them like certificates and some maybe some vouchers to use in the web store, or maybe some uh, challenge coins or some pins or some special items that you can hand out. So we have a packet in place for that we can give to people who run run tournaments at conventions. Now, for stores, 
sometimes we have people in place that are called sarges. And those sarges are handpicked by the stores themselves to help uh, promote Warlord games in their stores. So I don't have anything to do with those guys. But if it's a store that doesn't have a sergeant, I can get in there with some of my raiders or myself. Like I'll travel down to Tyler, Texas and uh, uh, run with uh, Atomic Games down there and we'll do some stuff down there. So we try to stay historically accurate as we can. We try to stay as best we can. But at the end of the day, it's a, as my friend Jim says, it's a freaking game. So yeah. you know, we want to have some fun, right? <laughs> oh, man, that's that's awesome. You know, speaking of that, like uh, I was Nova. Oh, geez. Was it two years ago? Three, three years ago now. What's the Seven three? Jeez, yeah. I uh, man, I showed up with a unpainted uh, Conflict Forty Seven, which is oh, yes, you did. With a, uh, it's um, just bolt action, but with like uh, monsters and mechs and some other stuff. Yeah, like. it's bolt action plus with uh, lasers, walkers, and bears. Oh my! Yeah. <laughs> I was I was so I ran to it like one of the I'd met you just briefly the Nova before that. And I came to you yep. and I'm like, look, man, like I just bought this army to play in this event. Uh, I'm sorry it's not painted. And you're like, yeah, just go play. So there's three of us in the room. And I forgot, oh, God, I forgot a, a tape measure. So I go buy one. And yep. I, you know, immediately do the stretch. And I was just going to let snap back. And the head yep. shoots off. Yep. Just, yep, that was funny. You, you looked at me and I'm like, oh, God, no, not like this. So uh, you were really <laughs> kind enough to give me another uh, uh, sure. uh, like tape measure to get going. But um, so I actually had... That was my favorite event at Nova ever. Um, yeah, it was I, good. I know that sounds weird. I played so much Nova, but it was the two guys I played with were we did a three man just like um, King of the Hill kind of scenario, and right. it was like the chillest event. Uh, you know that was just really great. But that got me into actual bolt action. So I bought my grandfather fought in the Pacific, so I wanted to paint up his unit um, mm-hmm. and get that. So it's I guess where I'm going with this is uh, what. Uh, what kind of armies do you see when people play? Like, what do people bring to the table? Like, what do you, uh, do you see a lot of like personal stuff or is it just things they liked out of movies or what, you know, something like that? Yes. Perfect. And <laughs> I have to ask also, I have to ask Kevin, where did he serve and when did he serve? Oh God. Um, I knew you were going to ask that. Uh, he served uh, in the Pacific. The reason, why, the reason why Evan is because later on this year, if everything goes right in the stars line, our uh, Marianas and Palau book will come out. So we'll be running all over the Pacific. Oh, wow. That's and, fantastic. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. So, so if we, your, your dad's or your, uh, dad's your dad, relative, yeah. yeah, dad's, your granddad's unit isn't in there, then maybe we can do a PDF or something like that or special on oh, that. Oh, that'd be fantastic. I, I've, yeah. seen, I've seen guys run armies that had some kind of relative significance, Axis and Ally. Okay. And I've seen, uh, Guys who run, uh, there was a guy, Mike, at uh, LVO this year, was running a, an army unit, a U.S. army unit, based on the old comic books, Unknown Soldier, oh, Haunted Tank. really yeah, cool, yeah, actually. Yeah. That was really cool. Sergeant Rock was in there, and he had the whole uh, Easy Company in there, so it was really kind of cool. Um, and then I've seen guys run, you know, we, we do sell the Kelly's Heroes, uh, I'm sorry, the it's not Kelly's Heroes. It's uh, Oddball's Heroes. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so we, we do have that, and we're, we're talking about, you know, trying to get the, the uh, 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 Baker's Dozen, you know, or something like that in there. But um, it, it's, it, it really is a personal preference. I've seen some guys roll in there with uh, this guy had this really nicely etched wooden case with the Polish uh, army emblem wood burned into the army and then trays inside of it. So, I mean – and then you see some guys that walk in with 
bare minimum three colors, and and it's kind of like all generic uh, power play. No, so I've awesome. seen the gamut. You know, lighted carrying bases. You know, with lights, um, uh, magnets. Uh, it, it's it's really really. Every time I think that the bar has been reached, I go to another convention and there it's elevated yet again. And I, something you referenced earlier too is but talking about being chill. Before I did Warlord, I, I was in. I did a lot of stuff with Games Workshop. Okay. Uh, and and Forge World, and I did a lot of that work with them guys for about I don't know 10, 15 years. And we always always had a problem in our tournaments. Some guy would always go off the deep end. And in the th- three years full time, and about six, seven years off and on with Warlord. I think I could count on one hand and have fingers left over of incidents we had at bolt action events. It's the chillest group of boys you'll see. They'll be saying, oh, you forgot to move that guy. And, oh, yeah, go ahead and redo that role if you want. It's it's so cool. It's so refreshing. And um, I really enjoy it. And they, they police themselves pretty well. So uh, long answer, short question. No, that's, um, that's fair. So I got a follow-up to you. Um, sure. So it, a lot of people – uh, we were uh, primarily a Legion podcast before this. Uh, yes, and, we, we... And, and they were great. I listened to them; they're fantastic. Oh, hey, excellent! Oh, uh, great! Uh, so we we switched gears. So, um, you know, it's funny because I was reading a uh, uh, learning how to play K forty seven on the drive up to that Nova that year, and I'm like, wow, this is a lot like Legion. So, what would be your? So, a lot of our listeners may not even know what bolt action is. So, what would be your 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 um, your nutshell pitch of what bolt action like plays like what you do is you pick up your set of band of brothers. That's our, our basic starter sets, 112 bucks. And for 112 bucks, you get terrain, you get vehicles, you get two squads of Ger- uh, one squad of Germans in a vehicle, two squads of us airborne, a house a rule book and all the stuff you need to do it. So you've got two full squads of Americans. That's 10 guys each one full squad of Panzer Grenadiers and a half track and a, and a busted up house. So you can start right out of the box and it takes uh, bolt action is designed. It, uh, it, it's, it's historically accurate, but it's got some wiggle room to be fast. You can play a 500 to a thousand point game in two to four hours. Okay. Our rounds and tournaments run two hours, to two and a half hours, and you get about five to six turns in. So uh, it's easy to pick up. A lot of our miniatures now are a, uh, Hard plastic with arms and weapons, so you just have to glue the arms on. There was a time when we first started out that the weapons were separate. Some people like that, some people don't. But uh, and we have some metal uh, miniatures as well. Uh, the addiction starts after you pick up that uh, band of brothers. Then you decide if you want to go Germans or Americans or hey, let's try Finns or Greeks or let's go Italians or Germans or Poles or French or British or uh, Japanese or uh, so we've got pretty much almost every single axis or allied or forces friendly to those now represented in some form or fashion, either in the, the allied book or axis book or any of the campaign books. Awesome. So pick your period and your timeline, and I'm pretty sure we'll have a, a miniature for it. Hey, that, and I, cool. when Evan told me that you were coming on, I'd start to do a little bit of research because I had only heard, you know, I only heard about it in the periphery from Evan, but I was so deep into Legion that I was like, I can't, I can't listen right now. <laughs> like, uh, so, but now that my, my eyes are open, I, I honestly all day today have been staring at the conflict 47, <laughs> the C fourth Highlanders of Canada's Walker platoon. I can't, I can't stop looking at it. It's so yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah. The 
Uh, Bolt Action's been around for over 12 years, and uh, K47's been around with us for about four or five. Uh, it came out, uh, K47 came out just as we were transitioning into Bolt Action 2. So it was kind of like Bolt Action 1.0, and then it got updated in, in uh, uh, Resurgence and uh, Divergent. No, not Divergent. Uh, it was Resurgence and... Um, Oh, okay. I just, I just defiance, lost defiance. Thank you. Yep. Uh, that dropped it up to about 1.2, 1.7. So it's almost bolt action 2.0. Uh, but what's really cool about our models that doesn't happen usually in Legion or in, in uh, Warlord, uh, Warhammer or Warhammer 40k, when you buy a space marine, he's a space marine for that forever. Or if you buy, you know, stormtroopers or stormtroopers, that's all you can use them for. If you buy a U.S. Army box set, of infantry you can use that u.s army box set uh, you get 30 miniatures for like 41 bucks uh you can use it for world war ii bolt action you can use it for k47 and you can use it for korea so you're getting three bang for your buck for one box of dudes that roll through all those periods that's awesome so what was what was kind of the thought with uh, Conflict 47 or K47, as you're calling it? Like, I love it. And I mean, I'm as much as bolt action seemed interesting to me, I honestly, I started looking at the K47 stuff and I'm, this is what's going to sell me. I'll, I'm telling you right now, like I've already <laughs> like started adding stuff into my cart uh, and I don't even know what I'm doing. But like, but like, I'm like, yep, bye. Because it, you know what? It reminds me of like Command and Conquer Red Alert. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I and I'm like obsessed right now with it. So, yeah. so how did that divergence kind of happen? Because it's almost like all the stories that the the like American GIs used to tell people about what the like Nazis were working on, right? Like that's what this. Yeah. Well, like. it's it, it, the basic thing about K47 is everything was cool till about 1942. And or 43 when they first did the uh, Manhattan Project test. And when that happened, well, this is a concept that Clockwork Orange brought to Warlord Games and it, it fit into our, our, our schematic that we wanted to present at the time. So we took them on and we're supporting them. Most of the stuff, about 90% of the stuff comes from Clockwork or about 100%. We just help market their stuff. Mm -hmm. And we had miniatures that would fit in. And they, when they looked at the whole line of guys out there doing this they figured we had the best representation of what they wanted to do for for uh, armies mm. so the, the the idea behind k47 is when the manhattan project went off it opened a rift in time and space and radio signals started coming out of that rift uh and once it was translated it was for new technologies that could be used in the war now the allies tried to keep it as best they could and tight to their chest, and they weren't sure about uh, Uncle Joe and his boys, so they didn't share it fast enough with the Russians, mm -hmm. and the Russians were pretty pissed about it, so they left the Allies and started the war on their own. And the, the Allies were, were hesitant to use the darker side of some of the stuff that they heard in the whispers of the rift. Now, when we dropped uh, Nuke on Nagasaki and Berlin in this timeline, uh, that's how the Axis got that technology. And they really didn't care how it was used. So now you've got animated corpses, not zombies, animated corpses. <laughs> and we've got 
bears and we've got werewolves and Nachyagas, which are flying batmen. And we've got the Siberian Terror Force, which are guys basically hooked up on uh, uh, antifreeze. And uh, it's just, and walkers. So now you've got walking tanks that are moving around. So it's got all that, it's got that hook in historical bedrock. So you, it's believable, but then they stretch it into the unbelievable. And then when uh, the Japanese and Finns came out in Resurgence, that expanded the whole Japanese line. And oh my God, now you got ghost troops that walk walk through walls. That's super cool. And yeah. the Shibaka, yeah, oh yeah, that's the, the the model you get with that book too is really cool. He's halfway through a wall, and those guys are like the man in the in the deep diving suit. You know, you don't see his face or anything. You see that big old red eye coming at you, and then you got the Shibata, which are the animated corpses for the Japanese. Now, they don't care who they animate. So there's, if you look close to the, at the Japanese uh, animated corpses, there's Japanese in there, there's British, there's Australian, there's American. They don't care. Whereas the Germans are strictly German. <laughs> so, so, and the Japanese are a little bit, they really don't care. So they've gone to crazy stuff. And then, of course, the Russians are trying to do what they can with their big bolts and the big, big metal monsters. So... It's uh, It has just a much whiff of reality that really makes you go, oh, that's kind of cool. And then when Defiance came out, that's when we had the Italians and the Canadians. And the Italians are kind of cool. Now, if you get into K-47, you can buy a starter army for the Germans, the British, the Japanese, and the Americans. You can't buy one for the Italians because the Italians are split. There's the North Italians and the South Italians. Hmm. South Italians are all allied, so they have a lot of allied-looking or allied-related equipment and walkers, whereas the northern Italians have a lot of German uh, or Axis-related items, so they look more that way. So that's how that was split. So that's okay for the seven rolls out. It's completely amazing to me, and um, I think just the ability to – because if you look – so when you guys get a chance for the listeners – Go check it out on the website. It's kind of exactly how he explains it, where like you're looking at some of these figures and I'm like, oh, yeah, I could see like it's it's kind of that like retro future, um, like mid 80s kind of, you know, what they thought the future would be type of stuff. And uh, man, I love it. I think it it looks really cool. And um, I know that uh, Evan has uh, an army and I I think we definitely need to get this on the table. Yeah, my buddy (laughs) uh, painted. I went. British for K forty seven, and I have ah nice you have war dogs. Yeah, actually, yeah. So actually, speaking of the war dogs, he uh, he painted a set of them, and I have one that's Spuds McKenzie, uh, the Perfect. original rock and roll dog. So that was my. Uh, right. They ran and toward a German heavy machine gun line, and I think two made it. So that was pretty good. <laughs> and you know the whole reason why they designed those dogs, and what we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen, out there in listener land, is we're talking about the British war dogs who bred. Those, those pit bull kind of looking dogs that they have over there to the size of almost uh, uh, the size of a, a calf or a small cow. And they were designed to be released across the battlefield to tear up animated corpses. Now, you have to be careful if you get in front of them because they don't care if they're full. They'll tell you apart. So, but they were designed to rip apart animated corpses. Oh, that's perfect. So, um, <laughs> speaking of... Uh, so, game. moving on to two other games here that I just... Uh, been been on my head um blood red skies 
Um, ah, yes. So, you know, it was funny. This I have a, a story about Blood Ritz, guys. It was this was back, oh, Gen Con, jeez, two years ago. I was watching digitally, and I was real sick of X-Wing 1.0. Yes. And I was on my, I was on the button to just, like, figure it all out, sell it. And then they said 2.0. And I was like, cool, I'm in still. <laughs> but I had already bought in a bunch of, I was just going to move to Blood Red Skies. Uh, because it was World War II, and it was just not X-Wing 1.0. But I still got to play a small-scale skirmish uh playing game right. and there's really not a whole lot of that so what would be your your pitch for blood red skies because that's kind of like a i wish it kind of was had more notoriety um and mm-hmm. i think a lot more people would be interested if they actually knew what it like was blood red skies is designed by the andy chambers the archfiend himself and he'd been playing with that thing for about eight years and it was before x-wing came out he was still pounding on that stuff so some people i i like to tell them that i think you know Maybe X-Wing stole from Blood Red Skies instead of Blood Red Skies staying from X-Wing. But that's just me and my personal opinion. <laughs> um, Blood Red Skies designed to play a World War II aircraft game. 12 aircraft, 45 minutes. Hmm. My record is at NASHCON two years ago, I had 11 guys walk up to my booth wanting to learn how to play. So that's 22 aircraft on the board. 22 one 200 scale aircraft ready to play. 11 people. From, hello, my name is John Russell, this is Blood Red Skies, to knock it off, knock it off, game over, one hour and 45 minutes. Whoa. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. It's designed for a fast-paced fighter action that Andy came up with that that it, it has, runs the gamut from 39 to 45. Now, we're slowly filling in holes, we're trying to get more things, and in fact, we were scheduled to release this summer, in fact, next month, but now it's going to be pushed back a month or two because of uh, the great pause. Uh, Blood Red Sky, uh, Blood Red Skies Midway. Oh, uh, okay. Blood That's Skies cool, yeah. first came out as the Battle of Britain section, and it's got 109s and one uh, Spitfires in it. But the uh, Blood Red Skies Midway will have carrier aircraft and more Japanese and more American stuff. So that's going to come out. Now, since Blood Red Skies has come out, it's been out for about three years, uh, three, four years now. We've got about 40 different aircraft, uh, about 20 different pilots, uh, named aced pilot so you can fly uh, you know uh, uh the blonde knight hartman or tex hill from the from the flying tigers uh Ba black sheeps pappy boyington's in there i mean you can fly uh and of course johnny red from the falcon the falcons in the uh, uh rebellion 2000 ad comic strip uh, uh, johnny red so you can fly just about anything from japan america british german russian and we're getting some other nationalities in there as we can. Uh, it is a fast and fun game to play. All you'll need to do is drop 50 bucks for the starter set, and you get 12 aircraft in there, six Spitfires and six ME-109s, and you'll be able to start playing within minutes of opening that box. And I, I apologize for the addiction that you're going to get after the play. <laughs> so, uh, there's a bunch of guys over uh, that came to uh, Adepticon last year, and uh, I gave them a demo, much like I gave you, Evan. Yeah. And now they are the Lead Pursuit podcast. They're all three former members of the military, all aviators in some form or fashion. Oh, nice. And they have a passion, a passion for Blood Red Skies. And in fact, so much so that we're going to host the Gathering of Eagles in September, uh, the second week of September, 9th, 10th, 11th, uh, uh, for a Gathering of Eagles. It's a small event in Indianapolis, 40 to 60 people. And it's all about playing Blood Red Skies. We're going to show... The uh, one 200 scale Hornet, which is about four four feet long, for the release of um, 
Midway. And, well, they did a complete scenario pack and tournament kind of thing for Malta. They commissioned a uh, four-foot by six-foot map of Malta from 1940, uh, 40, 41, 42. I'm sorry, I might have got the date wrong. But uh, they've got the, the map of the Malta island, and they've got scenarios and the aircraft to play it. And we were going to do it at Adepticon, and we were going to show the big release of Blood Red Skies Midway. We were going to show Malta, and then we were also going to introduce people to what we call Big Red Skies. Big Red Skies is Blood Red Skies with 172nd scale Aerofix aircraft. Oh, that's cool. Mm. Oh, yeah. So it's it, the addiction just keeps on going because when we released Korea, then Andy said, well, let's do jets. So then Migali came out. So now you can do F-86s and, and MiGs. So that's going on. And now we're even play testing Rolling Thunder, which is going to be Vietnam for Blood Red Skies. Oh, so we're God, actually working so on that cool. right now. So, yeah, Jeez. so there's actually a play test group that we're working on. Uh, and then those Lead Pursuit guys love Blood Red Skies so much so that they got with uh, – Tabletop Simulator, and now you can play Blood Red Skies on Tabletop Simulator oh. and Steam. So, oh, that's, yep. that's awesome. Okay, hey. Yep. Yeah, so cool. go on there, and you they're just, at first, we only had Spitfires and 109s, but there's a guy named Steve that's been cranking out a shitload, uh, crap load of uh, <laughs> stuff for us. So um, there's more and more aircraft. And then, of course, you can do uh, Big Alley. So okay. I'm really excited about that. That's, so, that's awesome. So my next slip piece, <laughs> no, can, my next piece is uh, Cruel Seas. Um, I think oh, yeah. this was a game uh, I saw you at Adepticon last year, and I yep. think did it yep, launch came out. then? December it came out in December. Okay, yeah, I remember seeing you talking about it, and I have one of the um, like one of the sprues for it. But uh, would be your I, I know I keep having you pitch these games, but like I for this no, one, I, I kind of love to hear like what your pitch on this would be. Well, Cruel Sea started about four years ago when John Stoller read a book. And John Stollard is the CEO of Warlord Games. I've known him for about 20 years now, and he's a really good friend of mine. And uh, he read a book, and he got in, in excited about it. And he wanted to make a game about it. So this is his first game he's designed. Oh, wow, and, okay. Yeah, in, in the 30-plus years, he worked at Warlo uh, Games Workshop. And then when he was made redundant, him and Paul uh, Sawyer, a.k.a. the fat bloke from Games Workshop days, sat down around John Stollard's table and created – Warlord Games, and the first thing they made was some Romans, <laughs> and in fact, the first store they ever buy them was um, Bookhurst out in California. Okay. And uh, yeah, so there's some history for you, trivia. And uh, he made this game, but he didn't want to dig into the budget for Warlord and new games and stuff, so he took money out of his pocket and started talking to the guys over at Skytrex, and they built some ships for him. And, and the reason why it's one three hundred scale, a lot of people complain and, and moan about the scale for Cruel Seas. The reason why John picked one three hundred scale is because it's cool. Yep. And you can see guys on the deck. Yeah. The detail yeah. is just about perfect where you can see dudes on this on standing around it, but it's not too terribly big and nasty. It's quick, it's fast, it's simple. Uh when it first was released, some people were, were complaining about the uh there were some when we send our books to the printer to get printed, we have full faith and allegiance that it's gonna come out the way we gave it to them. Not necessarily happens that way sometimes. Uh Happened on my Korea book and happened on the Cruel uh, uh, Seas. Some of the stuff got misprinted or mistyped or misset. So in good faith, we released a, a Reddit sheet so that you could actually cut it out and put it into the place of the rule book. And it was about 10 pages, really only about a page and a half of, of changes. But people were complaining about that. Oh, it's just brand new and you rushed it. And it's 10 pages. Well, did you really read the book? Hopefully you see a pattern here. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, And Cruel Seas is a fast and fun. It's $80 to start. It's a fast and fun game. You can get uh, four snail boats and six Vosper boats. I call it that knife fighting in the dark closet 
that happened all over the world. That it was, you know, Korea is known as the Forgotten War, but the the little boat actions is the forgotten side of World War II. It is everywhere. It was in the Mediterranean. It was in the Pacific. It was in the Baltic. It was in the Atlantic. This is about those guys going out every night trying to find convoys, trying to find uh, other boats, landing spies or getting supplies or, or, or doing reconnaissance on the enemy or dropping off commandos. This is all those sneaky stuff that happened at night. Uh, and in fact, we're going to expand it a little bit into Korea when there's a thing that we discovered after the war that the Chinese, the, the Koreans had trained up a bunch of super trooper commandos to go down and raid and hit Pusan and destroy it. And if that would have happened, we never would have had a fallback position and Korea would have been done in six months. Oh, so, there's, yeah, so you can recreate a lot of historical stuff. And with Midway coming out, you can now even start doing a lot of the, the carrier and fleet actions. Not that that's going to be a victory at sea. So that's another game we'll talk about later. But Cruel Seas leads up to a little bit of that. Uh, Blood Red Skies is the one that's doing Midway. Sorry. But we just released an expansion to uh, Cruel Seas called Close Quarters, which adds two more fleets. Now, initially we came out with, hopefully I get them all right here, Italians, <laughs> Russians, Japanese, Americans, British, and Germans. Okay, so I have six fleets of those. And then we've now released with Close Quarters the Finns and then uh, Yugoslav's partisan fleet, the Tito Tigers. So those are out there, and there's 12 more scenarios there with some historical stuff like the raid on St. Nazaire's, you know, Operation Chariot. So you can pretty much recreate MacArthur's dash from the Philippines. You can recreate going down the slot with the Japanese trying to re- reinforce Guadalcanal and the, and the American uh, small little PT boats running around trying to shoot them in the dark. It's fast, it's fun, it's crazy, and it's uh, very uh, nail-biting, edge-of-your-sheets kind of stuff. When you're done with bolt action and when you're done with cruel seas and you're done with blood red skies, you can sit back, and even K-47, you can sit back when the game's done. You can say, man, I think I just watched a movie. Because that's the way these games play. And uh, Cruel Seas is its easy to get into. Uh, of, you can buy a complete American, German, Russian, British, uh, uh, or Italian fleet for 100 bucks, okay. And that gets you all, all the boats you need to start a fleet. Now you can always buy more suicide boats or Lintz boats or... More destroyer. Uh, not, the biggest boat you'll see is a destroyer, uh, and they're huge. But uh, usually it's designed for those small little boats, e-boats, the Shiba ferries that the Germans were going to use to invade England. Uh, so there's a lot of that action in Cruel Seas. All right. Now, John, I'm going to – I have the toughest question <laughs> for you. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. And it's, it's in game form. It's a little okay. game we call Try by Trash. Okay. <laughs> so the, the rules are you can play one of these games one more time. You get one of these games that you can play for the rest of your life, and you always get to play it, and one of these games you can never play again. Bolt Action, Blood Red Skies, or Cruel Seas. Oh, damn. That is a tough question. <laughs> um, Bolt Action Forever. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then I can play it one more time that I'm done. Yep. yep. Uh, oh, <laughs> Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, and then what's the other one I can never play again. Yep. You can never touch it again. It's over for you. It's going in the trash. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, 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 that's tough between these three. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, your bolt action will be forever. Uh, All right. One more time, I'd have to be Blood Red Skies. Then I guess Cruel Seas have to go in the trash. Fair. <laughs> Not because it's I, trash. No, we understand. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say that, 
as I look across my work desk and there's a Japanese invasion boat barge right there. <laughs> Staring right you packing your eyes as you said it, right? Yeah. Like, uh... You bastard. That's yeah. um, okay, let's play it again. And this time we're going to talk about three games we haven't talked about on the podcast. Okay. But same same game with Black Powder, Black Seas, and Pike and uh, – no, no, the Gladiator game. Oh, SPQR. Yeah. Okay, so I got SPQR. Yep, Black Seas and Black Powder. Black Seas and Black Powder. Okay. Um, Black Powder Forever. Yep. Because every time I go over, we always play it on Thursday nights at John's house, and I absolutely love it. Okay. Uh, and Black Powder is a game – well, we'll get into that later. Yeah, we, have, uh, well, we can tell everybody. Go ahead. We can okay. do it now. Well, well Black Powder is was, was the first real rule set that they that World Order Games made, and it's written by Rick Priestley and Jervis Johnson. And it's a gentleman game to have fun, go over to a place, play with Napoleonics for four hours, and you're done. Napoleonics historically has been a grinding, eye-weeping, nail-gnashing, six hours, three moves turn kind of unbelievable game system. It's fun to play. You get grognards in there that say you don't have the right Prussian blue because it's the wrong color of blue on your guys. But, you know, hey, they're everywhere. Uh, <laughs> river counters, as you call them, you know, panel counters. But... <laughs> But with the advent, uh, the advancement and the release of Black Powder, it's designed to play fast, fun, and you're over in three, four hours. It's Rick Priestley and Jervis Johnson from Games Workshop wrote up the rules, and then a lot of the guys kind of pitched in, Nigel Stillman, and, and uh, uh, there's some other ones, uh, John Stollard and Paul Sawyer and other guys. And it's kind of based loosely off the old War Master game uh, from Games Workshop, and mm-hmm. it's quick and fast. And it's in 28, and it's beautiful. And now we've got a bunch of expansions for that. Zulu, uh, we just released Dark and Bloody Ground, which is French Indian Wars. We've got American Civil War. We've got War American War for Independence. We call it uh, Revolutionary War, but, you know, in England they call it the AWI, American <laughs> War for Independence. And then, uh, and then we've also got Sudan, and then we released uh, – uh, what was the last one? Oh, and then uh, I can look at the shelf for all the books, but there's about seven or eight books now out. For Black Powder, and we're always coming out with another one. So Black Powder would be my forever play. Okay. Uh, play one more time would be SPQR because SPQR has only been out for a year, and we're gonna, we've sold out of it, and we're going to re-release it uh, when this great thaw happens again, and we're going to be able to update it. And uh, it's not going to change. It's just we, we had a lot of input, and we're going to put some stuff in there and add even more. And there's 13 war bands you can play with, and it's a skirmish level game, and we've released, uh, you know. Uh, there's 13 armies that you can play in there, mm-hmm. you know, Greeks, Romans, uh, Macedonians, Picts, Gauls, all kinds of stuff. D- Damian, Samaritans, and uh, it's just it's a really fun, fast, quick game, uh, and I love it. And I, I don't want to uh, say anything bad about Gabriel, but uh, I love Black Seas as well. But I just if I had to in this <laughs> horrible choices you gave me, Black Seas would be the one I have to say never play again. But Black Seas is based off of Cruel Seas, and it's a, uh, a she, it's one seven hundred scale because if we did it one two or three hundred, it'd be huge. His boats would be yeah. enormous, uh, and it's Age of Sail, and uh, we've got a lot of cool boats out for that. Uh, the four basic armies, you know, were uh, the British and the French, and then there were released Americans and the Spanish. The Americans really didn't have a fleet at the time; a lot of cruisers and frigates. Uh, but, uh, well, not cruisers, frigates and, and uh, ships of the line. They didn't have any big ships, uh, you know, the Constitution, the President, mm-hmm. and, the, and then the United States. Uh, those three ships were kind of cool, and we have those models. 
but we're going to do some more things, uh, some cool things are uh, in the pike for coming out later. Uh, and Gabriel came out with a fantastic game. It's quick and fast. Again, lot, there's a theme in games work in, in our games that we, we, we have coming out of our workshops and that we have at World War Games is fast and fun and furious with the best historical miniatures in the world. So our miniatures look great. Our game systems are fast. They play a little loose with some command, uh, some of the game mechanics because we want to get through a game quickly. Mm-hmm. We don't want to spend seven hours and then come back the next day and do another seven hours like the old Napoleonic games used to be. So for those three, Black Potter, SPQR, and then Black Seas. All right, all right. No more selling. More pain. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Try by trash. Bolt action. Black Powder. Conflict 47. <laughs> okay, both action forever. Yeah, black pot one more time and goodbye, uh, <laughs> goodbye case at forty-seven. Oh, I thought that was going to be harder for you, but all right, that's fine. <laughs> now that I know the game; it's pretty easy. <laughs> so uh, it sounds like, based on all my questioning, that uh, you're a big bolt action fan. <laughs> of course, I mean, several years ago. When I when uh, John was made redundant and came up with Warlord Games, and I was still working at my government position, but still doing things and running the circuits for cons, I'd run into John a couple of times, and I'd worked with John at Games Workshop, and uh, I was itching for a World War II game, and the only thing out there at the time was Flames of War, uh, one tw- one twenty millimeter uh, kind of game, and it's okay, I like it, but it didn't scratch that itch like twenty eight. There was nothing that was really out there. I mean, there was WFG uh, Frontline from uh, Walt out in Colorado. It was kind of fun. But there was nothing that had that movie-based, quick and fast, historically bite kind of game. And we started playtesting. Uh, I'm one of the playtesters for Bolt Action. So, of course, I'm going to love it. There's a secret <laughs> for you. Uh, some of the rules in there are mine. The cavalry rules are near and dear to my heart because I wrote them. Uh, uh, so I like my cavalry and my poles. And uh, – He'd give me some miniatures, and we'd play with my group here, and we, we'd do some back and forth. And then when the second group, second edition came out, we did it again. So my name's in a couple of the books. Uh, I mean, I don't want to, you know, be name tosser and stuff, but <laughs> Boltex is really, really close to my heart, and it's because I had so much involvement with it. And then when I wrote with Steve Smith, Boltex in Korea, that's when you know I really, uh, that's my passion for sure is Boltex in Korea. But well, that's a that's a whole another forty five minute talk. We did a talk with. <laughs> No Dice, No Glory at uh, Nova two years ago when Evan was there. And uh, we talked with Mitch from No Dice, No Glory, myself, Steve Smith, and then one of my raiders, uh, Ed Nelson. We talked about Bolt Action Korea, and we talked about, uh, which we never talked about yet at all today, uh, Gates of Antares uh, for two and a half hours. So I could talk all day about Korea. Yeah, so it's, (laughs) so Bolt Action is very near and dear to my heart. Well, that's good. So, all right, let me ask you this question. Are you ready? Outside of the Warlord game stable of of all their amazing games, what other games are you, have you been into recently? Uh, I have a good friend over at Chip Theory Games. There's yeah, some fantastic board games, so I like to play in some of that stuff. Uh, Chip Theory is great. Uh, and then, of course, uh, uh, Seppi uh, does some really good uh, – uh, Oh, what's the name of that company? He does uh, Squirrel or Die, and those are quick little fast games. He had the End of the Line. That's another good game to play. Uh, those are fun games. Uh, and then I'm into Pulp, so I, I like, you know, uh, Congo, uh, Death and Dark uh, Africa. Uh, and I'm, we're kind of doing a, a kind of game for ourselves like that, uh, Pulp Fiction. You know, any, any kind of pulpy kind of thing is mm-hmm. kind of cool for me. 
uh, Gates of Antares is my thing, but that's a World War product. Uh, I used to play a lot of 40K and, and uh, Lord of the Rings. I still play some Lord of the Rings, and I like that. And that's War of the Ring. That was a, my, my jam for a while. But uh, uh, a little bit of board gaming, a little bit of miniatures, mostly miniatures. Though. I, I'm, I've been playing miniatures for over 30 years now, and I just it's kind of hard to get out of the blood. Yeah, I think once once that bug bites, uh, you can't ever get rid of that itch. We used to play in my. I had owned a store for a while too when I first got out of college. We played a lot of Dawn Patrol, a lot of World War One stuff. So yeah. those are still kind of itching to my 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 scratch. It's is it, yeah, you're right. What is, yeah, it's so funny because you know I started with Warhammer Fantasy and uh-huh. was just like obsessed with it, and then it you know, and then they changed the rules, and I I wasn't a big yeah. fan, and so I you know I was still playing Eighth Edition. <laughs> you know yes. and then legion rolled around and i was like well there's my new game <laughs> and i yes. just like jumped right over there <laughs> yep. Yep. a lot of people will accuse us of being butterflies but it's what it is it's i talked about this last week during during our warlord wednesday uh live video feed on facebook was you'll you'll flutter from one uh project to another you know you, you'll paint some Black Sea stuff, then you paint some Clarul Seas, then you go over and do Blood Red Skies, and you go back over to Bolt Action. And so you have a couple projects laying around your, your, your workbench. And and when you look at that, don't let that get you down because you have to let that juice flow. That, that creative mm-hmm. juice needs to be nurtured and flowed, and you got to let it go. And you've got to not, when you stop painting is or when you stop playing is when it's going to die. So you need to bounce around. So you need to have a couple itches. You need to do Legion. You need to do bolt action. You need to do different things just to keep you creative and young and live inside. And that's what's important with gaming. And even though we've all been stuck at our houses, we've still been able to find ways to get around it. I mean, there's some guys out in New Mexico that are doing small man, two man games and stuff that they come yeah. over and they do all the sanitation and play their game and go. So, And I would say, yeah. too, I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like when you play a different game, like if you like, you know, we've been playing Legion, but if I was to bounce over to Conflict Forty Seven, which I, it's in my head is what's going to happen, sure. uh, um, I think you get a new appreciation for the other games and almost kind of uh, a different viewpoint of the game. So then, when you go back to like Legion or back to Bolt Action from playing another game, that maybe you become a better player almost at that game because you, you see it in a different light a little bit. Exactly. Jay, you, you've broadened your spectrum of conflict and now you can have, let's apply the Zulu horns of the uh, Buffalo on this Legion character. And boom, now you've got a tactic that your opponent has never seen before and you win the game. Yeah. I like winning games. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I man, I think that's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for coming on. No, man, Easy peasy, anytime. It's a good time yeah, to do, I, I, yeah, I always enjoy doing these. They're a lot of fun because we get a chance to expand the hobby, share our things, and tell yeah. stories. I would literally uh, love to have you back on the Just Talk Conference Forty Seven. Anytime. <laughs> uh, my my uh, calendar is kind of open right now. So, <laughs> so get it in soon is what you're telling me before Phase yeah, sure. Two well, or I'm Phase always- Three happen. <laughs> Yeah, well, I always, I always make, I always make time for this because this is you guys are the bread and butter of, of our industry. You guys are the ones that have a passion so, so much so that you now make a podcast about it. And even if you have a following of one hundred or ten thousand, it doesn't matter. You're out there advocating for a game, and you guys are an important part of this industry. So there's no way I would never say no to anything like this. Well, thanks, man. We, hey, appreciate, we appreciate that, man. All right. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you next week. 
Hey, guys, take care. And, and may your dice be hot and your beverages be cool. <laughs> Stay red. <laughs> Join us next week for another edition of the Fifth Trooper podcast. This has been a Fifth Trooper production. <laughs>